This is Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Garen Jones, and I have a fantastic guest for you today, guys. Before we get to them, I just want to say a very big thank you to the Royal British Legion for making this episode and all other episodes possible. Um, the British Legion came to me, guys, in the early days of the podcast, asking to help. When we started the podcast, I was doing it out of my own pocket, and I just couldn't afford to keep it going. Um, and the British Legion have stepped in and they make it possible. Um, all they ask in return is that you check out. And again, I say all they ask. They don't ask this. This is your old mucker, Gaz Jones, asking you this. Check them out at rbl.org.uk. See what they have going on for veterans and their families. Thank you again for everyone recently that got in touch to um, when I asked about um, how the Legion um as, as, as how their services have, have affected you or your family or what your impressions are of the Legion. Appreciate all you guys getting such. And I appreciate all you guys as well that sharing the podcast. We can't grow without you guys. We don't have the budget to run, ad, run ads or anything like that. Um, contrary to popular belief, I'm not sitting on a golden throne right now from my palace in Dubai. You know, if we we don't have the 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 budget to run ads for this podcast so the only way we're going to reach more veterans is if you guys share it so please if you enjoy the episode share the episode if you don't enjoy it don't share the episode i think that's a a fair bargain to be struck i want to say thank you as well to combat fuel guys combat fuel is helping me get in i'm not going to say the best shape of my life cuz i'm not in the best shape of my life but i think i'm looking all right for a 37-year-old with a lot of miles. Been a lot of miles in my life, guys. And I think uh, that things would be a lot harder for me training-wise without the help of Combat Fuel's pump-up, pre-workout, and regular pre-workout. I like to mix the two of them together. The pump-up one, I especially like because, as it says on the tin, gives you a fantastic pump-up. Who doesn't like a nice pump-up on the arms days, especially shoulders days, especially? Um, But the reason I like it as well is you don't get a crash on the back of uh, on, on the back of it. It doesn't have caffeine in. I don't know how it gets you buzzed, but it does. Trust me on it. Check it out. Combat Fuel uh, linked up in the show notes. Um, also love the vegan protein. You've heard me talking about it a lot of times. I'm going to keep talking about it because it is absolutely delicious. Just mix it. Even just mixing it with some water and a bit of ice is a beautiful summertime drink. So get that in there instead of your pims. All right. Also, Zulu Alpha Straps. Love them. They've been looking after us for a long time here on the podcast. Blackbeard strap is my favorite. You will find their bombers watch straps on the wrists of frontline operators around the world. Their social media has some. Uh, they got a lot of guys that are into Zulu Alpha straps who are on um, in the in the. I don't know what you call it. The ship world, the floaty boat world, whatever. They're into them, and so are. Apparently, a lot of helicopter pilots, jet pilots, bombers watch straps are getting all around the world. So check them out. Um, you, as I've said a lot of times, guys, if you're wearing a watch and you and you have an expensive watch, then you want to make sure that it's secure. So you can use a Zulu Alpha strap to do that. On the other hand, if you have a shit watch, put a Zulu Alpha strap on it and your shit watch, nobody's going to be looking at that because they'll be looking at the Zulu Alpha strap. So whether you've got an expensive timepiece or a cheap one, doesn't matter. Get a Zulu Alpha strap on there. All right, let's get into today's guests. 
Kelsey, oh shit, I didn't ask how to pronounce the surname. I'm going to take a guess. Kelsey Sheeran is, don't hurt me, Kelsey, if I've said it wrong, is a Canadian army veteran. She lives in Canada. She got up at five o'clock in the morning on short notice to do this episode. So I'm uh, really happy about that. We are going to do, so today, basically, we were supposed to have um, a guest in there to cancel. So today, we've essentially done a kind of like a political ranty thing we talk about work talk about politics and that kind of stuff um kelsey has a book coming out um about her time in afghanistan where she spent a bit of it with the black watch so shout out to you black watch guys out there operation panthers claw veterans um so we will have kelsey back on to talk about afghanistan in depth but today i just wanted to shoot the shit with her also uh, uh, to be honest she's she's really cool really cool dude uh very funny and um very insightful so i enjoyed the chat very much hope you do too Please give a very warm welcome to Mrs. Kelsey. I'm going to say Sheeran. She's probably going to shout at me for getting it wrong, but let's just roll with that. Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm uh, I'm tired. How are you? I'm not tired. What's wrong with you? It's 5 goddamn a.m. I can't even talk yet. It's 5 <laughs> in the morning, bro. <laughs> Why did you choose to live on such an inconvenient coast? Well, apparently it's my fault, so I'll just take the blame. I was born here. It is your, it is your fault, filthy colonist, stealing the lands of Native American peoples. <laughs> that is not a topic to talk about right now. Patrick. Oh, but it is. Oh it's, on the ag- it's on the agenda. It's getting talked about. Right. No. Right. So let's, let's start off with... Where in the world you are for people who are not so... I got an A-star at Geography and GCSE. Not everyone is as well-equipped geographically as me. So why don't you tell people where in the world you are coming from right now? I'm coming from Vancouver, Canada. Don't know where that is. I'm a Canadian. I'm on the west coast of Canada. I couldn't be further away from you right now. So if... Uh, right, Canada. you got a couple of countries on the right side. Countries, provinces. We've got... Okay, let's back... Fast... Let's try That's this That's what again. I meant, sorry. Not, did I say countries? I meant cities. I meant cities. So you've got like Toronto, Montreal on one side, nothing. And then left side, you've got Vancouver. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. What is the state of affairs in Canada at the moment? It sucks really, really bad. We live in a communist country currently, and I am struggling with it on a level I cannot describe. Why are you on the podcast and not on the streets hanging politicians? Well, I generally like to stay out of prison. I have bigger and better things to be doing that hopefully will, <laughs> you know, raise enough awareness for Canada's like horrible state. But yeah, I try to try to keep it in check. There are some big things to do in prison, and not usually consensually. No, unfortunately, I know. AKA showers. <laughs> showers, anyone? Right. So I'm actually really interested to know what's going on in Canada at the moment because. As I'm sure a lot of li- there's probably a lot of listeners today, well, not a lot of listeners, but a proportion of the listeners who have been to Canada. And one of the things people always used to say to me when they come back is, I'd fucking love to live in Canada. And I, as a British person, I'll say this as well. I've always had high respect for the Canadian military because, oh, you are the first Canadian on the podcast, by the way. Um, you beat you beat Jody Mittick out. He's going to be pissed. Oh. So you've got... Um, <laughs> so you've got... Um, you know, First World War, Canada's reputation, outstanding. Second World War, outstanding. Afghanistan, outstanding. Um, and I always had this impression in my head that Canada was like a really kind of, almost like a utopia kind of place to live, that it had a lot of the great stuff about North America, like the giant outdoors, the amazing scenery and all that. But it had very kind of like freedom-loving values, but not quite so, you know, meth lab kind of like... You know, if America is the meth lab, then Canada was like the apartment on top of it, which is a bit more chill. 
Um, what's what the fuck's happened? What's going on? I don't know what to tell you. Oh, oh my god, it's bad. I. You know, some people are going to say this is dramatic, but it's I don't really think it is when somebody starts telling you. And I mean, obviously, we've had uh, this is covid related, but I think it's due to the fact that um, our prime minister has his head up his ass. He has no clue what he's doing and he's no different than his father. And I hate to be the one to say it, but it's true. And, you know, I was young enough to see it then and I'm old enough to see it now. And I'm I'm not appreciating the attitude or the lack of intelligence that comes out of our leadership. It's a struggle city when you have served for a country and you're just watching it go to shit currently. We had a point here up until, and I'm not exaggerating, I want to say up until two or three days ago, where we had to show papers across um, medical borders. And I mean, by medical borders, I mean, if, if you lived in Vancouver and you wanted to come say where I am, which is only 40 minutes away, you're not supposed to do that. They would, they would stop you and ask you for papers and why you're going there and to justify why it's worthy of you being in that area due to, you know, COVID. And I, and I struggle with that because I don't think anybody should be stopped from going anywhere at any point, especially within their own country, especially if you hold a Canadian passport, right. especially if you're born and raised in Canada. I, I really, I really struggle with that. It's not great. The borders being closed have economically fucked our country on a level that's just going to be incredibly difficult to come back from. Um, I'm, I guess, a considered a small business owner in Canada. And to see the state of the economy and other small business owners, but yet things like Amazon, who are across the street from me, and Walmart, who are down the street, can all stay open and nobody questions anything. So the state of Canada is really, yeah, no, the state of Canada really just at this point is is a sad example of what used to be a really cool, beautiful country. Isn't it a real coincidence that in every Western country, these companies like Amazon and Walmart and state, and because, you know, like uh, we've got Asda open in the UK, Asda's owned by Walmart, you know, so essentially Walmart's open, Asda's open. And it's one thing that's happened in every Western country. Close small businesses, leave the big ones open. Right. Like it's, it's fucking weird. And you said, it's, you know, you mentioned about that, you know, it's Trudeau, your, your, your dude, isn't he? It's, uh, and, um, you know, you think he's, well, he's doing, yeah a bad job but it's he's doing a bad job for what you want out of him he's probably doing a great job for what the big corporations and what people who are um, very kind of authoritarian and they're leading like that's what he's doing and he's actually kind of doing a great job of that turning it into a, an authoritarian country for sure he definitely has his perks for people who are happy with his performance I think it's it's like this in Canada and the US I think it's been like this since the Trump era where we've been you know violently divided on both sides whether you're one side or the other politically I think the problem is is we look at things we're looking at things from a skewed lens here and this individual who's choosing well is being chosen to run the country has it feels like he's got no handle on anything it's obvious he's being told what to do on a regular basis the guy can't think for himself and it people get angry when i say that but it's you can see lack of leadership in an individual when you know what le real leadership looks like in my opinion you know me i come out and i say things like we live in a totalitarian state and then like last night before i got to bed i was doing my reading and i was reading about the soviet union and i was like well this is a real totalitarian state maybe we don't but then I go and kind of look at what the definition of totalitarian is, and it's basically the government telling you what to do and you not having a say. And I thought, well, yeah, we do fucking fit that definition. <laughs> like when when it's been illegal for me to go and see my family or go and see my friends yeah. or leave the country or open a business, that is a totalitarian state. Totalitarian state doesn't have to include 
genocide of a certain ethnic group. Because that's what, oh, well, you know, it could be worse. It could be in Soviet Russia. Yeah, it could be fucking worse. It could also be loads fucking better. Why don't we aim for better rather than worse? Right. I get it because it is bad. It is bad. It's bad to the point where people, here's the thing that I don't understand is we have had so many atrocities happen in this world and it's all started from a slippery slope and we've allowed it to continually happen and nobody sees signs because they cannot honestly believe in their day and age that something horrific could be happening to them or that it could be happening under their nose and them not notice, especially with, they, well, I watch the news though and I, and I go on Facebook, so I must know every. Everything. I must be being spoon-fed mm. all this information. They wouldn't lie to me. Global news and CTV and national news, they would never lie to me. No one's ever died from the vaccine. No one's ever died from this. Everyone's dying from COVID. Fear, fear, fear. And now it's, well, you can't do this. And of course people are compliant because they're fucking terrified if they leave their house because they think that they're going to go kill their grandma. No, no, nope. Grandma was going to die anyway. Sorry. Yeah, you know, one of the kind of the mad things about this is I think it's, I don't think we would ever, have been, this would ever have been able to happen in, and I think one of the reasons that a lot of other countries kind of around the world are not so strict about it is because we've lost our relationship with death in the West. Yes. We seem to think, because what we do is people get really old, we stick them in hospital, they die, and it's kind of all out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, like for a lot of people, like, this is the first time that, and the actual, the reality is that most people under um, the very high age groups do not need to worry about dying from COVID. Yes, are there individual cases? Yes, there are the same as there is for everything. There's always exceptions to a rule, right? But um, overwhelmingly, if you are, say, a 40-year-old person, you do not need to worry about COVID. But you've never, but most people in Britain and Canada have never had to worry about dying from anything in their life, really, unless they happen to be born with, um, you know, some like a uh, an abnormality of the heart or something, which is again tiny percentage of people. Most people in Britain expect to live until they're in their eighties and nineties and die. That's what most people expect. Mm -hmm. So when they got the fear put into them from politicians and the media for the first time in their life, they've had to confront death. Because falsely, they were told that like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It was just going to be people dropping dead everywhere. Kids going to be dropping dead. Fit young people going to be dropping dead. And pe there might be some people listening now going, oh, well, I heard about one. But yeah, one fucking person out of 100 fucking million, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry, that happens. It doesn't mean that it's not fucking bad for that person. But that doesn't affect everybody else. And I think that this is one of the reasons why a lot of veterans are like, hang on, this is bollocks. Because... Yeah. We had to, we, like most people in the world, you grow up in a lot of Africa, you've had to confront death from childhood. You grow up in a lot of places in the world, you've had to confront death. <laughs> For British soldiers, Canadian soldiers, American soldiers, you probably had to confront it in your late teens, early 20s. And that, so you're looking at it and you're like, well, hang on, I'm, I'm not being overwhelmed by fear here. I can look at this from a bit more of an objective position. And I think what I'm seeing is fucking bollocks. Would you agree with my rant? <laughs> I, would you agree with my small breakdown? <laughs> yes, I would agree with your small breakdown, dear. I think you're right. I think it's an it's a, listen, it's a difficult stance to take. And you and I both have had this conversation on my show and we've we've talked about it extensively into how the veteran mind is very very complex and different compared to a civilian mind and not complex in a more advanced way, but often in the opposite. And what we find with We're definitely not saying we're more advanced, wink. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and but the, there's there's something to be said for the individual who has been able to conf- like you said confront fear, and I, I can agree with that. I think we think a little bit differently. We're tapped into something a little maybe I wouldn't say tapped in. I'd say tapped in because we are all a little on edge most of the time. If you've ever deployed afterwards, that kind of just sticks with you to a level. And I think people are able to think for themselves. Yes, we've been told what to do. Yes, we've been told left, right, left, and yes, we follow orders. But there is still that part of you where you've, if you've deployed or you've been in any sort of action, you're able to look outside of yourself and see a bigger picture. And I'm finding this is what's happening now is we're not being absorbed and sucked into this kind of tunnel vision type view that the media would like us to see. And it's all media, left and right. It's both medias. They're both right out to goddamn lunch. I don't know what the hell anyone is thinking right now, but the fear base is really what's is what's driving things. And so I'm finding, you know, veterans are and first responders for the most part are are seeing this for what it is. And that's why you're getting this odd pushback from what seems like a smaller group of individuals, but it's starting to spread and and people are starting to, you know, hopefully see an end to this but unfortunately in canada at least i mean we're we're behind like america's open like i'm going down there next week america's open that's that's what blows my fucking mind because at at first they were all doing the same kind of thing and you're like all right i don't agree with it but this i can see that even though it doesn't make sense to me that there's it makes sense that these countries if they believe that would be doing something commonality with it now you have such yeah now you have such variation it's like all right you fuckers yeah you can't all be right on this and people say oh well there's different outbreaks and different variants no bollocks we're an international community that if you look at the figures and places it's pretty much the same regardless of what people have done in terms of their response to it and i'm you know now we've got i was i was sitting in my fucking watching the Wales game the other day too no well done Wales. i was watching that and there's thousands of people in that stadium in azerbaijan oh i know <laughs> so so I'm, I'm like all right so azerbaijan have got such a great health service and everything like that that they're all right with covid are they but over here where we've got the, the NHS, you know, we 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 haven't, and I just it doesn't. It, the the lies are kind of really clear now, and I do think more people are coming over to it. But I think from the the veteran point of view, if you're in Iraq, if you're in Afghanistan, you have seen with your own eyes government incompetence, government lies, and it doesn't mean that there was no good good that came out of those deployments. I think there was an opportunity to do good, even though we went for the wrong reasons. But realistically, it's like. I know the media lies because I've seen them lie about what I was doing on in Iraq. Right. I know the government lies because I've seen what they said when we were on the ground. So I think that is like a gift that you get as a veteran to be like, because it's because it's not even being skeptical. Because skeptical is just kind of looking through everything of a lens of oh well maybe they're lying. It's like no, I know for <laughs> I know. a fact that they lie regularly. Yeah, you know it's like having it's literally it's it like the way people are behaving now. Is they've like they've walked in on their partner, and their partner is being getting smashed, <laughs> and they pull the covers over and go, "Well, we're just having a cuddle." And then people go, "Oh, okay, I guess you're just cuddling." <laughs> like I'll ignore the fact that I saw a massive mamba flopping around <laughs> in there, and just and just carry on with my day. Right, we've already established that your ancestors came over and stole land from Native Americans. Oh, so we don't need to cover. Um, we don't need to cover that. <laughs> Let's talk about your route into the military okay discuss let's have it okay it's nothing spectacular i mean i'm I'm one of like the normal people who decide but i i joined the military i went to um 
I decided I was going to go to college at the age of 19 after a horrendous, what I thought was like life ending high school breakup. And I moved to Ottawa. Was that, was that, is that, was that a situation that I just described with pulling the covers? Yeah, no, God, no. Oh, it was. No, I've never. Well, that, there you go. No. That's when your, that's where your eyes were opened. And that's when they were opened. No, I've never, I've fucking never had to go through that. Thank God. Um, I've been very fortunate. I went to Ottawa, which is our capital of Canada, which is smaller than your small town i'm sure and that just happens to be canada's capital and i went there to play soccer of all things for a team and um i met uh it was remembrance day so november 11th and i went to a ceremony down in the capital and on the way home i was taking the bus and i met a lady who was in this world war ii uniform she was air force she looked like this just walked out of a superhero movie just this badass woman and i wanted to have this conversation with her because i i'm obsessed with history i've always been and i really love um i loved veterans from the get-go because there's that air of curiosity around them that you just want to pick and pry at them maybe that was just the way i was raised but i was raised to respect that and so me being loud and obnoxious i decided i was going to just walk over to this woman she was willing. She sat with me and she just started telling me these some crazy stories. And my stop had passed and I realized I was hell and gone and turned around and went home. And I said, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to join the military and I'm going to drop out of college and I'm going to do it right the fuck now. So I walked into the college for a class and I walked up to my professors and I'm like, peace, I'm out. How do I get out of school? What does that look like? And they're like, you just go to that office, go there. Oh, okay. You've been here for like two months. Like, what are you doing with your life? And so I went and then I went to the recruiter's office the next day and um, just said, hey, what's up? I, uh, I want to join the military. And they looked at me and my blonde five foot, 110 pound ass and went, what do you want to do? I said, I, I want to I blow some things up. I, I have a question. Did you end up in the branch that was the first recruiter that you talked to? Here's the thing. In Canada, at least at the recruiting office I was at, there there wasn't like, like they were not separating themselves by branches. It was like, hey, this person wants to join the military. Right. Fill this out. We'll decide where you're going to go. Because uh, that is, they have a recruiting office. And I think a lot of people... It just depends who's who happens to be on the desk when you go in. So I want to be in the military. So I, I want to be in the navy. Now you don't. You want to be. You want to be in the infantry. You do. Right. If you've got if you've got someone cool on the desk. Um. But all right. I want to go on a little tangent. Do it. History. What's your favorite part of history? Oh, that's a rough one. You have to, if you if you could if you could only have if you could only have one stack of books on one period of history, what are you going to go for? That's a it's a toughie because I'm really into like the Egyptian history. I'm I'm into that time frame that you know that pharaohy kind of time. I got a weird pull with that, and then I would have to say after that you're, you're kind of rolling into the you know World War One, World War Two era of time frame. I don't know if it's maybe because our society's done such a great job of glorifying that time in that era and that way of life, but that to me is is incredibly attractive. If you could be live and like let's say you could put you could have a you've got like the invincibility cloak on so you get you, you know if you could go and live in some period of history for like let's say a week and you can't get like so if you go to egypt you're not going to get flayed alive right or anything but you could go anywhere for you could go anywhere for a week where would you choose oh that's a tough one 
I mean, I think there's so many cool times. I would probably go back to the Pompeii, Pompeii Roman era. I think Pompeii was a cover-up. Do you know what I think it was? What? Oh my God, I got to hear this. Dragons. You're out of your fucking mind. Fucking no, I'm not. It's dragons, mate. Dragons. Where? Show me the dragon. It's on the the Welsh flag. It's on the Welsh flag. It doesn't matter. We did Pompeii. We we fucked them up and they covered it up. We did Pompeii. We did Pompeii. We went over there. We fucked up the Roman Empire and they covered it up because they couldn't stand losing to the Welsh. That's what happened. Have you been there? No. Well, I mean, maybe maybe in my former life as an incarnation of a dragon. I mean, if you're the one who did it, obviously we, we would know. All right. On the subject of dragons. Why is it? Oh God! Why is it that every uh, is well? I'm not gonna say every culture, but a lot of cultures around the world all have dragons in their cultures. Why is that? I think people back then were terrified of larger lizards. These things freak us out, so these are now our dragons. But where are those larger lizards? You don't get Komodo dragons and stuff in Britain. So why have we got all the stories about dragons? Question: How do you know they didn't have them back then over there? Are you sure of this? Yes. Can't have Komodo dragons living in British. Well, I'm just, I'm riffing here. I don't know, man. How you guys get cold? Maybe you could do actually. Well, see, see. No, no, because no, I'm thinking no. They're in che- I've seen one the other day in Chester Zoo, and they had heat lamps for it. Oh well, see if they have heat. I mean, they didn't have heat lamps back then, but it could temperature difference. Anyway, I think people just like the mythology behind it, and they're terrified of it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Where does the mythology come from? Because think about it. They've got chi- they've got. China, dragons, Wales, dragons, right. other places, dragons. So if people got, because it can't be from dinosaurs because the first dinosaur fossils were only discovered a couple hundred years ago. So people had no concept of dinosaurs as we know it. So maybe people were digging up dinosaur fossils. Don't get me wrong. Maybe that's what it was. That could be it. Or maybe. Or. Maybe. Like, look, at the end of the day, is the idea of a massive dragon, like li- like a massive lizard, any more fucking bonkers than an elephant. I mean, have you ever looked at an elephant? It's, it's mad. I saw a giraffe the other day when I was in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are fucking bonkers. So a giraffe. <laughs> a giraffe is mental. If you said to me... Mate, what are you doing with your time? I saw this horse the other day that had a neck that was like 15 foot long <laughs> and it was spotty. I would be like, Kelsey, you're off your fucking face. But because... Right. But like, so... Really? Is this dragon any more different? No, you're not wrong. I think they probably, I mean, listen, let's play. I'll play along. I'll play along. Okay. So let's just say there were dragons that existed. Where did all the evidence go? I want to know. We have stuff from back then. It's covered up by the government because they don't want whales to rise again. (laughs) So you think the government all way back when covered up that they had dragons that wiped out Pompeii. Well, they didn't cover it up. They put it on on our flag because they're hiding it in plain sight. I was just going to say they're hiding in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight. Those motherfuckers. All right. Pyramids. (laughs) Pyramids. Aliens. Yes or no? Fuck yes. You, you You think it was? Fuck yeah. There's no way people, but I'm sorry. You gotta, it, you wanna say whatever you wanna say about aliens. Like, listen, we are in a day and age now where we're discovering fucking the tic tac that can go from zero to God. No, like, I follow the shit. Okay, listen, mm. there is a high probability there is something that is probing us and there is something that is looking into us. End of conversation on that. Pyramids, let's look at the logistics behind this. Let's really, if you really sit down and look at the logistics behind this, Tell me how the fuck that was doable in that day and age with that little of technology or, or I'll give you this, there was 
super intelligent individuals back then that just don't, they just fucked off. They're like, you messed up, kids. You didn't know what you were doing after this. We gave you this and we're out. Devil's advocate. Yeah. I think it is probably a lot easier to build things when you haven't got to worry about health and safety. And, you know, they, they were on some zero hours contracts back then. You just have <laughs> slaves and they just die by the thousands. Like, right, well. For sure. I guess, I guess, I guess the stone doesn't go in that way. Scrape those people off it and let's have another go. But like, think about the size though. Like, come on. People are not, you can't get enough bodies around one of those bricks to move that. Come on. You have never seen me bench clearly right oh tic tacs tic tacs i was talking to my mate about this last night and i thought you know and this is a bit stewy to me because i had this thing of would there be aliens but he was like well no they're probably just drones yeah they're probes and i was like and i was like oh yeah that makes way more sense yeah well would you send would you send yourself or i mean you would send somebody else but like would you send yourself to go i mean to another place i mean look it, we're doing it's the same thing we're doing to mars we just sent a drone that got to mars that can pick up and land all over mars and take photography i mean how can you we think that there are not more intelligent individuals or whatever the form they've taken on somehow in our atmosphere of course they're just probing they're not going to send actual little green men down here people would people can't handle covid they would go mental is the other thing though on that maybe they're not sending them here maybe they left them behind Ooh. because when your mates when your mates were the finished building the pyramids and they left or whatever maybe they left maybe they left uh drones behind okay maybe they did but why are we just seeing them now well we're not just seeing them now we're not like we just no, like there's been people talking about it for ages and shit. We're just admitting it now. Yeah, my, my thing is mental. Like you and me have, have both partaken in the three-letter eye-opener mm-hmm. that is DMT, right? Because I can't say the belonging name. It makes my tongue twist. But um, that, that, at, at that, that point, I'm like, all right, I, I haven't got a clue what's going on with anything here. I don't even know if we're real. Right. I don't know if we know we're real. We, we, right, I might, we, you and me might be having this conversation. We're running on some fucking game, fucking someone's uh, server on a, on a big giant simulation somewhere. Could be. I have no idea. All, That's why it was at 5 a.m. Yeah. All I know is just, there's, all I know is that there's nothing, nothing makes sense. That's all I know. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the, the drone fix, I always think with, when it comes to alien talk and stuff, I'm like, when I'm in the garden, like an ant can interact with me. It sees me. He's like, right, I don't want to go by there. Or I do want to, you know, maybe he does want to come close to me. But the ant interacts with me. The ant doesn't understand me. The ant doesn't know what's going on with my head. It doesn't know what I'm capable of intellectually or anything like that. AKA not much. But mm-hmm. but it, it can see enough to be like, well, there's a thing. I'll just, and then, and it kind of inter- has this little limited interaction. And I think that's probably what we have with these Tic Tacs and things like that. We're kind of like, we see something, but then that's about as far as we can go with any of the stuff because we can't, like there's some people out there who have some good guesses about space, but the average person can't conceptualize space or any of that stuff. So one of the problems I think we have when it comes to discussions about alien life and and life in general and consciousness and everything is like, we seem to think that we'd be able to understand it when we just understand it. Um, I don't think that we've necessarily got the... I don't, don't think that we've got the software and the hardware to actually be able to understand it, even if someone was like, here it is, right in front of you, it would just be straight over the top of our heads. 
Well, I, I don't think so either. I mean, and if, if, listen, there, there are plenty of people that have been on plenty of podcasts that have had plenty of conversations about aliens that are 20 times, if not more intelligent than us. And they seem to have figured out some things. And what they have figured out is that there's something that isn't us and it's floating around in our airspace and nobody's questioning the fact that they're going near fighter pilots, that they're coming out of the ocean and that nobody has a clue where they're from and we just leave that alone. If Russia sent a plane in our airspace, the world would go into World War Three lockdown, but we're okay with letting these things. Well, uh, I don't think, I don't, I know, I don't think they would. Because they, they do come in, they do penetrate airspace a lot. Maybe yours. Russians. Maybe, yeah, well, yeah, no one's, they, they they already know you've ethnically cleansed the, the minorities over in Canada, so oh, they don't need to go there. The fuck <laughs> but, they, oh. but they do penetrate the airspace a lot, and there is a response to it, and the fighters go up, and you see another plane. And I just, I just think if Russians had technology where they could do that stuff, they're not going to, like, when in, when in military history, has a country ever had a superior weapon to someone else and then not used that to become the most dominant power in the world? Yeah, there's no argue point there. I can't I can't argue that. Never. No. It's never happened. It's like America America is the global empire because they were the first people to get the atom bomb. Right. Boom. Simple. Yep. You know, Britain had Britain had a superior navy. Boom. Simple. You know, it's when people get, like, you can go back to the Roman legion was, you know, it's not a legion is not a weapon, but it is in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, dominated the world. When people have the superior military technology, they run the world. So if Russia had or China had these things, they're not going to be like, you know what, we'll just sit on this technology. They're going to be like, you fucking open this Mandarin book now, <laughs> fucking ma- Mandarin for idiots, and you learn this book by the end of the day, and then you turn up to fucking work tomorrow. Not that you're getting paid. That's how it'd be. That's how it'd be. Right. <laughs> now that we've right, we've got, let me check off. Aliens. Done. Check. Perfect. Right. Now, <laughs> DMT. Check. check. We've done the ro- we've done, we've done the Joe Rogan. The, the Joe Rogan checklist. Let's get back to the military stuff let's, there. Let's do it. So how did you end up then being filtered into the army that you were in, right? In the, the big boomy guns. In the big boomy guns as an artillery gunner. So I actually wanted to go infantry. I, I didn't know what really infantry was, but I knew I was fit and I knew I could handle that because I was an athlete before. And so when I, I'd been fighting since I was four years old and I'm a second degree black belt in Taekwondo and I know people are like, it's Taekwondo, so that's shit. It's not jiu-jitsu. Well, ugh, fuck off. So I, you know, I've done plenty of, uh, I see your face. I see what your face is doing. I knew you were going to joke there. Well, I was just going to say, I was just going to say that I think we're the only two podcasters that don't do jujitsu. I've, I mean, yeah, I think so at this point. I mean, how many of us are there? And like everyone does it now. If I, if I want to, if I want to roll around with sweaty dudes, I'll go to a gay club and listen to some good music, or just roll with Paul, right? So yeah, God, I so <laughs> fucking so hot. Oh, I see. I I hit the button. I knew I knew the button and I hit it. So here's the thing. Why is Paul not on? Well, you know, I told Paul we're gonna do one with all three of us, and he was totally down. So I'm down. Hopefully, I'll see him next week for a drink, and I'll caress his his head. Oh, for fuck you. you. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to feel that pain too for the 5 a.m. here. So, you know, yeah, cry, cry it out. So with them, they said, you know, you're too small um, and you're most likely not going to make it through. So what we'll do is we'll put you into artillery instead of infantry because you're too small. So hang on, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. So you could, it wasn't a gender thing. You could, or sorry, a sex thing. You could, you No, it's not a, no, no, no. In Canada, if, if you can, if women can do the job, women can do the job. All right, cool. Simple. 
So I decided, okay, I'm going artillery. And then I went to the 105 howitzers during training and did basic and all that lovely jazz. And then I switched over to the M777's 155 millimeter howitzer um, once I actually got to my regiment. And then once I got to the regiment, they're like, okay, you're going to deploy with this unit in about a year. And so within that time frame, it wasn't a year. It was September to April. And then we were out in April. And I deployed with the 777s. And then I didn't actually, I was only on the guns for about two months before I got pulled off them to go so a trip a tri- okay triple seven yeah what do you mean by trip a triple it's, it's, seven it's, it's, it's a, it means one five five millimeter howitzer so it shoots okay. a one five five millimeter round it's about a hundred and hundred pounds hundred and five pounds okay. so what what was your role on the gun depended um we had a gun troop we each have so how the artillery works is you go with two there's always two guns together at all times you're never on your own and within that you've got a you know a, a troop of five to seven people running the guns and it you know everybody has their i want to say specialty because we all have to know that gun inside out and backwards and it was really run to the gun depending on the type of mission you're going to get is what you, the position you're going to do so for example if we were doing a 50 round fire for action kind of deal or fire for effect i'm not going to be the one loading the 100 pound rounds i'm going to be the one loading the charges pulling the lanyard opening the breach you know i'm going to be doing the other jobs if we're doing fire for effect 10 rounds i'll go up there and huck a couple rounds just to show that i can still huck a couple rounds that weigh the size of me and you know do the, and it just really depends on the job and what your staff members want you to be doing you know i was a grunt at the time so it's like you're going to do this. And I'm like, all right, you got it. I'm doing that. And so I just kind of went where I was needed. And I ran the gun just like any of the other guys that ran the guns. So I have a question about the artillery because I I can totally understand how it's fun to pull the lanyard and have a big thing go boom. But I I always feel like... syndrome is a great thing. I always feel like it's a bit like, you know, actually, I'm not going to say that. That was a bit too... But I've... Mm-hmm. When I'm shooting, I want to see where my <laughs> I want to see where me bullets are going. Right? I want to see where me bullets are going. You want to see it? And like, obviously, that you know, your forward your forward observation officer and stuff are going to get to see that. Yeah. But you guys don't get to see that because what? I mean, what's the range of a one five five? It's probably like five. they go <sighs> recorded. It's like. 40 kilometers unrecorded it goes up to like 45 yeah so you ain't seeing that but we do we do they let we we do know we do know right so we do have our our sergeant and then our two ic that are standing right there one's yelling at us one's yelling at the comms tent and he's getting the commands and then we get told you know good good shoot you hit the target or you didn't hit the target or adjust for this or adjust for that and they do let us know like you know target achieved means we wiped off a lot of people off the face of the earth so we don't see it but you feel it yeah i, I feel it's a weird, it's a disconnect i've always had from the artillery because i just I, I it's the same thing like with the gpmg you do, do sf roll and um and do sorry um you can do in like an indirect kind of fire with that mm-hmm. where you can you know you put the gun up and stick the gun up basically like an artillery piece and you can use it to fire over the you know map, uh, doing the map predicted fires and stuff and mm-hmm. like that was kind of fun don't get me wrong but it's cooler to watch the tracer go pew, 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 and do that. Oh, it's a beautiful sight. Did you ever do? Do you ever do the firing when you just put the guns down and you did it over open sights? It just depended. We tried not to do too much of that. We tried to because uh, we're in a we were in a fob, right? right? So we need to go up and over a little bit so we don't take out the only pretend wall we had. So in Musakala, there was a place called Roshan Tower. They had a 105 gun there that they just fired in the direct roll because it was up above, Ooh. so they could just point it down in the green zone. Mm-hmm. Now that, that looked like fun. 
<laughs> oh yeah like that, that that looked like really good fun because basically I'm like oh this is like Waterloo stuff <laughs> just like pointing a, you're pointing a cannon at someone and firing now that looked like a, that looked like a lot of fun so let's talk about let's talk about what I want to know about what your family thought of your military adventure the fact that you're gonna you know you have a family now mm-hmm. you've got kids and stuff so maybe your own thoughts and feelings have changed over time to what it's like what it would have been like for your family so how did that go Here's the thing. I just recently, and this is going to sound horrendous. I just recently found out when I was writing that um, my grandfather fought in World War II. I had no clue. Okay. I had no idea that I had anybody in the family that fought in the war. I knew I had a grandfather who escaped the war from Hungary, but I did not know about him. So I spoke with my parents. I was very blunt and honest. And they just looked at me and laughed and said, we knew you were going to do something along these lines. We knew you were going to either be a cop or you were going to join the military. We just figured it definitely would be the police because you've never had any interest. I, before the military, never shot guns. I wasn't a hunter. I had no interest in the idea of, of you know, wiping people off the face of the earth and blowing things up just wasn't my shtick and so for me they were actually incredibly well now it is but i mean for me it ain't my shtick well hey so you know they they were supportive they were loving about it i i remember my dad my dad never cries the only time i really saw him cry was the day i left i said bye for deployment my parents were very understanding in the idea that i always wanted to um to what's the thing challenge the status quo and i always wanted to challenge myself and so the idea that i picked one of the male dominant trades kind of made sense to them there was never an idea that they worried about me or anything that would happen to me truthfully they're like she's terrifyingly loud and abrasive and aggressive like people will just stay out of her way and sure enough it worked just the same all right question on the police go what is your thoughts on the police in canada now i know we're bouncing all over the place but i always find it very interesting to think I always find it very interesting to think like, oh, I was going to be in the police. Yeah. And then it's like, because I, I was I was supposed to join the police and then I dropped out of the training to go to Afghanistan, right? Right. And now, although I'll say this because we don't have some police listening. I know some of you are all right. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> talking about the overwhelming majority you seem to be guns. Right. Um, like, because I've seen it recently in Canada. I've seen footage of the police, like police helicopters looking out, going out looking for groups of people doing religious worship and then police coming in and arresting people. That seems a bit... It's a problem. Stalinist. Yeah, it's a problem. And here's the thing you got to remember, and I think, and you know, this is people are going to say, well, you're defending, and I'm going to defend them a little bit here because I do, I spend my entire... End podcast. Yeah, shut up. I spend my entire fucking life now trying to work with these charities so that our cops don't, sh- you know, swallow buckshots with our vets. I want them to be well. And I think the problem is, is we do a piss poor job of training our police and our military on how to handle situations. So they get told what to do. They go into these situations and they got no fucking clue what they're doing. And then they deal with the ramifications afterwards. So, you know, to an extent, people are following orders. And I think they're doing their job. But the problem in my eyes is that they're not questioning the orders. And that's where the, the, you know the the you know what's the word i'm looking for the the shit example of policing happens when people aren't trained properly when people don't know how to question authority in a certain way when there's something wrong happening they just say well i was told to do it well at some level as a human being and as a person of society in canada you reserve that right to say well why am i going into a church and throwing you know fucking whatever it was they threw in there and you know bag and tagging people like we do overseas bro this isn't a war zone act like it act like you're in a country that has diplomacy 
Yeah, like for me, the, the following orders just doesn't cut it, especially yeah. 18 months into this. How the fuck are you not asking questions at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think it comes down to a lack of moral fiber in them. And also, I understand, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, I don't want to lose my job. It's like, well, the, the guys that are dead at Normandy didn't want to die. Yeah, it happens. But they died for freedom. You might have to lose your pension for, free, mm-hmm. for other people to have their freedom. If you really care about these people you say you're serving them, then serve them. It might cost you some money. Right. You know, but, but that's going to that's gonna be how it is. I'm pretty sure, like, everyone that's speaking out on social media against what's been going on, everyone is shadow banned, right? So your posts don't reach as many people. Mm-hmm. So if you are an author, a musician, anyone like that who sells your own product, you have lost out by speaking out against it. You've lost money. 100% you've been financially impacted by, by speaking out against it. If you're a cop, you need to find other like-minded, cop, like-minded cops and speak out against it. Because otherwise, how is it going to change? Well, it won't. Like, it, it's, it's not going to change. Like People outside the organization aren't going to be able to change it. And if they do, it's probably not going to be changed how you want it to. So if you want the police, if you're a policeman, a police officer, sorry, if you're a police officer and you want the, um, you want the police changed the way you want it to, fucking take it on yourself. Because otherwise, what will happen is eventually there will be a massive overcorrection and you end up with things like defund the police, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, You is. end up with that. So it's, if you don't want that, fucking find like big boy pants on and fucking get it sorted. Well, I got a story. I got a, I got, I got something for you. This tur- today's turning into ransom pants. Like, I like, it's okay. It's great. I'm here. Listen, I often get individuals who just sit there and just rant to me. You know this. I, I give that vibe off where I'm like, tell me your life problems. I'll try to fix everything <laughs> for you. Well, it's, I think it's because that, that hat, it's, it's always it's the got, hat. Like you, you have, you have a Jewish rabbi look I do. about you. you know? Right? I'm it was once you one. said the word shtick. It was once you said the word shtick. I was like, I really hope. Yeah, I want you to start curling the hair. You know, I'm gonna do the next the side, time I, when I have you and Paul on. What I'll do is I'll curl. Yeah, just the two. I'll curl just the two, and I'll put the rest back for you. We're, we're not doing an episode with Paul because you you were going for drinks without me next week. So um, that's not maybe happening. I'll call you while I'm with him. Oh, that thanks. Yeah, call me from California when I'm sitting at home just crying. Hey, listen. Get on a fucking plane, act like an adult, and show up that. Fuck, I haven't. I'm fucking skinned to the moment. I was talking to Peter about this before he came on camera. So basically, this is how much I, I, I love a government so much. They care about me so much. Okay. So like the last year, the last year, I obviously, I, I, I got hit pretty hard with COVID and stuff. It canceled a few of my TV projects. Right. But I got, I got charged tax like I had the year before. Right. But I got paid about a quarter of what I got paid the year before. But I got taxed the same. Because I'm like, I haven't been going out. haven't been doing anything. How have I got no money at the moment? And I'm like, go look look through my bank. I'm like, oh, tax man. Yeah. Cheers. Really glad I got to pay you all this for you to tell me to stay at home. Well, if it makes you feel any better, they raised our taxes 56% last week in our in what? my building. Wait, here's the kicker. Then they raise it in our houses as well. So when I say that like I'm over this shit, like I'm having a conversation with some people in the next couple of days. And then I'm going to scream to the media about how this is absolute bullshit because this is so wrong. We, they, they say, stay home. We're forcing you to stay home. We are not allowing you to run your business. We are not allowing you to see your family members. So here's a subsidy check. 
Don't worry. We're not going to fuck you on this. Take the check. Shut your mouth. Stay at home. Okay. Got that. Didn't do that. And then they hit you in tax time. Oh, these aren't for that. That's not why. We're not taxing you because of the subsidy. No, no, no. These are just like other taxes. It's just 56% increase during COVID. And you know what? So all of the remaining businesses, because 32% of them have been wiped off the face of the earth, the rest of them, you know what? We really actually don't want you to exist. So let us just slap you one more time with this and see if you can handle it. And if you can't, we'll hit you with some other bullshit tax towards the end of the year. It feels like Amazon and Walmart and those companies could have picked up their end of the fucking deal yeah, a bit more luck. considering they've been the ones to allow to stay open. Well, exactly. You know, I said this since the beginning. It's like, if you are going to tell people they can't open their businesses, tell credit card companies they're not allowed to charge interest on people's exactly. debt until everyone's open. Because they, they have this fucking bollocks. Right. Rants on. They have this fucking bollocks. Get some! Where they're like, oh, this is a this is a new normal. We're all in this together. It's a war. We have to do things differently. All right, yeah, cool. That sounds good. So uh, big farmer aren't going to make any profit off the vaccines. Oh, no, they're still going to make profit. Billions. All right, so Amazon and that lot are still going to be able to have their legal loopholes. That, that's We're stopping that, are we? No, no, that's going to happen. Well, so what is the new normal? Oh, we're just getting rid of the lower middle class, basically. That's the new normal. Yeah. And I, I don't really buy into this great, the global reset. So I don't really buy into that. And, and, and the depopulation stuff, I don't buy into that. Reason being, because they want as many people as possible to be around, to be a fucking cog in the wheel. They want us to be, they, they want you to earn just as much uh, as they want you to earn enough that they can tax mm-hmm. it but then not give you any of the fucking rights. You know, that that's what they want. You basically like fucking cattle. They just want to take tax off so that they can fucking have, they take that money then for them and their big businesses and they live the fucking nice life. And it's basically the old feudal system that we used to have of, right, you're a fucking peasant. You, t- you give this tithe to the state and we live in a fucking castle. It's exactly what it is, which is pr- which maybe that is the natural state of human beings. That is what right. maybe the same way as you have a fucking queen bee and worker bucking bees. Maybe that is what humanity is supposed to be, even though we don't want it to be. Maybe that is the natural state of things. And we have to const- constantly fight against that in order to not go into it. Because you look at history, what we've just had is a blip, mm-hmm. you know, of, of like... Off the back of the... Uh, so basically, we've had a few decades of, of freedom bought with the lives of fucking tens of millions of people that died in the Second World War. And now we're just sliding back into it. I don't really have a point in what I was saying other than that. Right. Down with the government. <laughs> cut taxes. Oh, man. So when you joined the military, right, were you like me? Did you think... Did you believe in... Fuck... Oh, the government cares. Oh, yeah. The government is about freedom. The wars we fight are about freedom. You believed yeah, well, all that. I... Shit! It's bullshit! I... <laughs> <laughs> I did, though, because I joined in 2007. So we were at the height, right. right? We were at the height. And by 2009, I had been deployed. So we were at the height of everything that was going on. And we were in the Wild West uh, of Afghanistan and Iraq at that point. You know, we were really, we were doing, we were doing, we were fighting the good fight is what I was told. We were, I was told we were saving the women and the children because that's what got me right was i i have an issue with 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 men um 
with men taking over women the way they do, you all big grunts think you can just, you know, fuck off and do what you want. Accurate. So, you know, when you're bigger than a woman, I have an issue with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but that's what was happening overseas. So to me, they sold it to me in the sense of like, listen, you're going to save women and kids. They're, you know, they don't have rights. They don't, they don't get to do what they want. They don't get to pick when they have kids. They don't get to who, pick who they marry. They don't get to vote. They don't get to fucking have their face in the goddamn sun. We're going to go, we're going to go and we're going to save them from this. You know, we're going to save them from getting stoned to death. We're going to do all these things. So when I went, the idea was, you know, we were liberating these people. Women were going to be allowed to vote for the first time coming up in the next election, which was a giant deal. I think most people know that. And so for, for me, it was, I wanted to do, I wanted this naive mindset of, I wanted to help these little girls so that they could end up saving themselves and end up not having to be married to their cousin or their uncle or sold to somebody because of a couple fucking cows and goats and by the way i don't want to go i don't want to go too deep into your tour today because i want to have you back on when the book comes out so all right but like so but philosophically speaking i think you're exactly right you know i think the majority of canadian british american soldiers at ground level did think that we were going there for something good. And look, just because the actual reasons were bad for going doesn't mean that there wasn't good done on the ground. Like, we did open schools and we did allow women. We did. So that that stuff all happened. Oh, yeah. But then obviously, then we're like, bye. <laughs> and we just fucking. And then we were yeah, then, back. But, it, but it's worse as well because it's like, oh. I, I remember you getting a bit chopsy, missus, when, when the Brits were here. That's right. Don't, you don't need that head anymore, do you? And so it's like, we're even worse because instead of just, what's, what's more fucking, what's worse than living in that is to have someone come in and be like, hey, we're here to change things. They get on board and then you go, jokes, just here to make some money, bye. And then we fucking leave. The reason that because people are like oh people in the second world war didn't suffer that much with ptsd and all that stuff what's wrong with these people well <laughs> well yeah one yeah exactly that's a joke but two people are like oh people are softer now i'm like i think maybe a lot of it's got to do with the fact that people that went no if you went to the second world war you knew that really even though there are some obviously like nuanced areas essentially it was a kind of a good versus evil fight it's about as far as wars go it's about as clean cut as it gets whereas with afghanistan and iraq right you're like you, you, I think anyone that's a bit of a thinker carries a lot of guilt about it because it's like, Jesus Christ, like, we just fucking abandoned these people and like you see them as people. We went, we went in there, we promised them the fucking world and we've abandoned them and like, they're all fucking dead. They're all murdered because of what we did. Mm -hmm. Like, we might not have killed them, but they died because of what we did. Right. And I, I think that guilt is a massive part of what fucks up like uh, so-called kind of war on terror because obviously... At, the, at this point, I don't think we can say war on terror when I think we equal, we were at least equal in our share of handing out terror. Of course. Well, that's what we do, though, right? That's our job. That's what we were told to go do is be as terrifying as possible. Not in the sense of, not in the traditional sense of being like, be, go terrify these individuals, but it's like shock and fucking awe, fuck around and find out. And now we're here. Like it was terrifying, like enough that we were, we hit them hard. We hit them with a lot of people and we overwhelmed the system. And unfortunately, whether we like it or not, they were so ready for that because they've been doing this shit for fucking decades. They know what war is. They know what malice is. They know what fucking violence is. And they have no issue using it against their own people and using it against other 
other countries. So the fact of the matter that we thought we could go in and do anything but rustle up feathers, piss people off, and end up getting more and more killed is we're out of our fucking mind. You know, it's kind of mad as well. Is that like, like Kelsey, go over there, fight for women's rights to have a voice and all that kind of stuff. And then you come home and they're like, Shut the fuck up and close your business. <laughs> like, it's just... Isn't it great? Isn't that fucking awesome? And you're like, you well, know what else is like, super well, great right now? I thought, we, I thought I went over to kill people in order for other people to ha- women to have a voice. It's like, yeah, no, that was their voices, not yours. You shut the fuck up. Yeah, your voice doesn't fucking matter. And you know why your voice doesn't matter, Kelsey? Because you're too loud, you're too abrasive, and you swear too much. So no one's going to pay attention to you. I'll give you a fucking jokes on you, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's a little bit different now. It's one of the things people say about small businesses they're like oh well small businesses could do this can do that and it's like well one i don't think you understand like how tight the margins are in small businesses that a small a small business can't just go oh yeah i've just pulled this fucking money out my ass so that now we can like totally change the fucking business model that we have in order to cope with these big changes so there's there's not that yeah you a lot of small businesses are one-man bands for a start but the biggest difference is I don't think people understand like how much money big business put into the pockets of politicians directly or indirectly. Because people are like, well, it's not like they bribe them. Or, sorry, what's th- what, what's three hundred grand for a twenty-minute speech? If that ain't a bribe, what what you know what is five million for a fucking book deal? You know, and all this kind of like like Cuomo got five million for his for his book. Cuomo, sorry. Oh, Cuomo. Cuomo. Did I don't call, call Cuomo? it Cuomo. Cuomo. Yeah, he's in trouble. He's in a lot of trouble right now. He'll be fine. So's Fauci. They'll get a fucking nice little. They'll get a nice little parachute. No. They'll get a nice little golden parachute. They will. They will. That's what I his book deal don't. and stuff is. It's like you know. Uh, yeah, but I know. But Fauci, they just okay. Listen, from as far as I'm concerned, right now, I'm just I'm just jealous because I've never had five million dollar book deal. Well, you will though one day if you keep talking like that. Of course you won't. Once I once I once I kill a bunch of old people in old people homes, then I get the deal. You know what'll happen? All it takes is one white guy to just go on a spree, bro. You're on the cover of everything. Your book will fucking New York Times bestseller. Just start hitting. Th- I mean, don't do that. Jesus. Don't don't I, do that. I have a New York Times bestseller. Well, you I mean, I'm like multiple. Thanks very much. Well, listen, I'm trying to give you goals and things to aspire to. You know what? Actually, it's a good point. This I don't actually aspire to having those kind of things because I, I, I've understood for a long time. Is we okay? Is a really weird one. You're a writer yourself, as I just mentioned. You have a book coming out. We will have a, a proper book dedicated podcast. No worries. Um, but one of the things I found really weird, and this is a bit of a moan, but there's people out there who are like, let's say, a TV celebrity. And then they're like, they have a, a book and they like, they they have a book and you're like, all right, well, that kind of makes sense because it's nonfiction mm-hmm. or whatever. What really doesn't make sense to me is you have somebody that's like, say, been on TV mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, now I have this series of fiction books, which they don't write. Yeah. So you have a ghostwriter, you have a ghostwriter to write it. But I'm like, isn't that really weird? Because you wouldn't be like, because I thought about my mates who are DJs, be like, oh yeah, I'm one of the world's biggest DJs. Here's my series of fiction books, which I haven't had anything to do with. So I'm like, why is this this thing of like TV celebrities? We're like, oh, wow, Jimi Hendrix has got this fucking series of action books. Like no one's buying that. <laughs> so why is it that with people that are on TV that were from the military and, and not not even from the military, just people who are on TV, people are all of a sudden like, wow, now they've got these fiction books. I'm like, do you actually think they write any of this, this stuff? And I mean... I'm not knocking the people that do it because obviously if someone's offering you that money, I understand taking it. But what I find really weird is just as a society and a culture that we're like, oh, he was on TV, probably writes a great book. I'm like, well, why, why would you think that? Like, you know, oh, fucking, you know, oh, I've heard Gordon Ramsay writes a fucking great spy thriller. 
It just doesn't make any fucking sense. He does look like a Bond villain. I'll give him that one, though. And he sounds like one, too. So I would read that shit. But yeah. for the rest of them, though, for the rest of them, no, you're right, though. It's difficult when you see that. And I think people kind of forget. And and maybe it's because you and I both know a little bit more of the ins and outs of what it's like to work with individuals like that. And so we know how that works. We know the system that it works. They say, listen, you're a cool person. You've got a big name. Here's a lot of money. Can we attach your name to this? You know exactly how this works. There is no, there is no like, let's do this because it's the right thing to do or it's good to put out in society it's like here's a huge check let's use your name if you're cool with it let's attach you to it and so that's that's where i would come from it that's of course what they're doing it's just really it's just really weird because i'm like it's odd like because the thing is those books that you read so if you're out there right now and you're reading books by a name of someone that's on tv you're not reading that person's work i'll just tell you that right now i'm just gonna be honest about this because i'm i just why the why the fuck are we you're lying reading about? Jess's book. Why, well, no, no, you're not reading mine. No, I I don't do them. I'm I'm telling you right now, I don't do those books. So I haven't got a dog in this fight. But you are reading someone else. Yeah. Why is it that in that industry instead, like it's it's like for instance, you're talking about Ronaldo in the football, but Ronaldo had someone else from like fucking Kevin Maurer Football Club come and play for him instead. So why is it that like you're like the the person that hasn't got anything to do with that book? Right. Is going to be the one getting paid. But the person who is actually talented, and I, like I said, I'll tell you right now, I haven't had a hand in any of these books that I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about me. But if you like those books, it's because a talented individual has done those books. But they ain't getting paid like much at all. Right. But it would be it would be like Ronaldo retires from football, someone else plays for him, but Ronaldo gets paid and the other guy gets like 10% of it. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, what other industry... Are we giving money to the person that doesn't have anything to do with it and then giving like the person that is genuinely talented? And there are a lot of these writers out there. You have no idea who they are, who are really talented. Um, The people I've worked with in those kind of projects, they always put my name in the book and I'm very fucking grateful to them. Um, for well, doing they're, that, they're good people. Yeah, they are good, fucking great people. And like, well, you know, you know one of them personally. And like, mm-hmm. they are, they are great people. And I'm very appreciative of that. But there's a whole industry of people that do these books for other people who you, I haven't got a clue who they are. I'd like to know who they are because they're fucking talented. But like, yeah, they're hard but, to but, find too. But they don't get paid shit. And and it's just such a, such a weird industry. I was just thinking about this the, the other day, and I'm like, you know, you write. Mm-hmm. How is it like? I don't like I said. I don't even want to go too far in the book thing, but. How, how how has writing kind of changed the way that you has it changed the way that you kind of view the world? Because I think once you start getting a bit more, it starts making you ask a bit more questions, doesn't it? When you're asking them of yourself, you start asking them of the kind of the world too. I feel like when you when you start writing something or you start delving in, journaling, whatever it is, when you have to stop for a second, and not have anything to interrupt you, and you have to actually think and use your brain, you you start to question things, you start to look at things differently, you start to ask those things of yourselves, and yeah, it's a completely different perspective. It's it flips things on its head more than you more than I thought it would for sure. Because obviously you you know you've you've done the writing, but you have your own business and and everything like that. Mm-hmm. What has been that transition like for you to go from? Military, have all the orders given to you, all your decisions made for you pretty much to self-employed business owner. Jesus Christ, what a learning curve that has been. It's been a nightmare and awesome all at the same time. It's kind of like a shit sandwich where it's like, it's still my sandwich, so it's awesome, but it's still a shit fucking sandwich. It's a lot. It is stressful, but it is worth it. It is exhausting, but I have educated. I've learned my, I've learned so much I've learned more now than I've ever learned in the four years of high school and the time I went to college when I got back. I have learned 
things that are genuinely useful in life. Whereas before I had no clue how to run a business. I had absolutely no clue. I started on my kitchen table with a drill, a pipe cutter and a hammer, and I was doing it for art therapy. Hang on, are, we, are we talking about business here or are we talking about serial killer fucking stuff? Well, a bit of both, right? <laughs> I, you have to start somewhere, okay? Leave everyone alone. <laughs> so we, I started there, but that's where I started. I started as art therapy. I started my company as art therapy, not trying to have a company. And so as it grew, it, those learning curves came with it, but they were thrown at me at my pace and the way I wanted to do it. And so, you know, it's been a perspective change in a big way. I've started to care about things I would normally not have cared about as much. I, I've had to think on my own and, 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 and really sit with my decisions and whether they're positive or negative, I've had to eat whatever that is. Right. And so I've been very careful as to how I run things, who I run them with, how, who I associate with. Obviously my life choices aren't great. Here I am. And so I, five in the morning. Yeah. Five in the morning. (laughs) I choose, I choose to think that it was the best thing I've ever done. And it has been up to this point. And so it's been it's been a journey for sure. Do you think you could have been taught that stuff at school and college? Or do you think do you just have to get in the mix? You have to. I think I think on some level, obviously, it, they'll teach you business courses. They'll teach you the ins and outs of taxes. They'll teach you how to hypothetically make a business plan and hypothetically make a marketing plan and all of these things. And that's all fantastic. But I've also worked with people that have come right out of university. And the one thing that I have learned from working with individuals that are just from school, from people who have just been in business for a long time or have taught themselves business is these people know how to read a manual and they know how to implement around those guidelines within that manual. The creativeness is not there. The thinking outside the box is not there. That willingness to just look at things from a different perspective is not there. That is a life learned skill that we just we don't teach our kids. We don't have those conversations. We don't give thought provoking conversations or questions for that matter. Instead, we just say, this is what you need to learn. But instead of asking them, well, what do you want to learn? What do you think is interesting about this? And how do you frame that in a way that people are interested in understanding business and economics when they grow up is a completely different situation. I agree. Like I did business um a levels and and stuff and i just think if i could go back and do that curriculum my thing would be every lesson just have a business owner come in and do q a completely right completely completely right uh, it just makes it like i don't actually remember anything i did like that i could well that's a lie i can kind of remember doing a, a business plan but this is how stupid like all right i'm off on another rant it's how, it's how stupid education is so um when I did my business studies GCSE, which is like, you know, kind of high school level, my dad had a business, my mum had a business. So I went to a bank and I got, this is how old, this is how long ago this was. I got a floppy disk, oh. a floppy disk, which had, uh, from Lloyd's Bank, which had a, um, a business plan template on there, like that you'd have to get, you know, in order to get a loan from a bank for business. Filled this out with two business owners, gave it in. Uh, I, got, I got something like a C for it. Right. Okay. And then the other people in the class, because they basically they drawn flowers in their in they had in their folder. They drawn flowers and it was pictures and it was like little mission statements. Nothing that you'd actually be able to present to a bank. They all got A's. I think I got a fucking C or something like that. And that's when I was like, hang on, are we actually doing anything to, to do with business here? Or is this just ticking the box curriculum stuff? And it was, as is most stuff. Um you've got you you have a offspring. All right, you got is it one or one or several that you have? One and done. Are you going to be having like what's your educational plan for said offspring? Um, because you know, I used to think that homeschooling people and stuff were nuts, but now I'm like They're not. We motherfuckers were onto something. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky because where I live, we have, I won't say obviously the school because, you know, safety, but um, we have- There's a lot of weird people that listen to this podcast. I know, Kelsey. right? I got to be careful. You guys are all crazy. Well, that's why they listen to it because they fit in with us. Um, well, so- we can't travel to Canada anyway, so you're pretty safe. You fucking that. can. You can. I'm sick of people saying you can't travel. Do yourself a favor. Just get a COVID test and you're welcome. And then, I mean, you do have to sit in a hotel for three nights and then quarantine for 14 days while everybody else is open. <laughs> but that's that's not my-, not my picking here but hey our prime minister got to leave the hotel after 12 hours after getting home with no quarantine so that's fucking awesome so that feels fair yeah. um so for, no for schooling yeah for schooling yeah i'm listen and i'm lucky in canada where i live it's especially because we have options so for my little guy he doesn't go to a regular preschool he goes to an outdoor forest preschool which is a nature school which is taught in the middle of the woods with chickens and cows and horses fires knives and you know tadpoles and all the the sticky messy stuff and so he's outside from 8 30 till 3 every day rain sleet snow i don't give a fuck get outside and they teach them everything and honestly this kid has come back with more knowledge than i have ever seen a small human his age do it's impressive the kid's got his own hatchet he understands different types of plants which ones he can eat and cannot he can forage if he gets lost he can build a fire the guy has a fucking knife he can whittle like he's not even five it's impressive and so he will does he, does he have a beard um he's working I'm on picturing one. this kid with a beard he's working on one currently <laughs> it's it's a struggle but he's he's trying to be like daddy so listen he he's going into kindergarten here in september and this is where i'm this is funny that you brought that up because i'm having heart palpitations at the idea of him going to a regular school system and so mm. there is another school but here's the kicker there's one of them and there's one in the area and it's a lottery program, meaning you literally have to win the lottery to get your kid in that school. Your name gets put in a hat and that is how you get into the school. And it's an outdoor school. It's an outdoor wild type of school where they get they use their brains. They use their thought. They use thought provoking um, questions. They're not in a classroom for eight hours a day. They're outside in the rain and they're learning and they're learning things that are actually useful for life skills. And this kid, sure, he he can read. He can do all the things he should be able to do. But instead of that, the you know, the buck kind of stopping there where most kids are like, I'm just learning to ride a bike right now. And most kids are like, I'm just learning to this. You know, my son's over there going, hey, mommy, let's do this. We're going to make this. We're going to do this. You need all these ingredients and this is what you need. It needs to be. No, mom, put the timer on. Mom, put the timer on. Like the guy is a smart fucking kid because I've given him different tools instead of just putting him in the system and saying, just ruin this kid. Take his creativity. Take his individualism. Take his amazing fucking locks of hair and judge him. Make him feel less than. Put him and beat him into submission and then give him back to me in 10 years. I'm not doing that. So you wanted to go to a SEER school, basically. What? Yeah. Yeah. I've sent Ray Cash, <laughs> like Ray Cash Care, the, the Navy SEAL. I've sent him videos of me doing like water training with this kid where he puts I'm not even exaggerating he'll put all his clothes on put his vest on and be like mommy I'm gonna do some swims and I'm like you do those laps bro like this kid <laughs> is dialed he's seal team ready like this guy knows what's up but that but that's what kids do that's what they're supposed to do um yeah like that's what a kid's supposed to be 
Right. Why are we doing that, kids? What What will you do if he doesn't win that lottery, though? Will you consider doing homeschooling or, or maybe even just sending him to some kind of spa and a gogi where he lives out in the woods until he's <laughs> a grown man? Yeah, we've, we, we've, we've got some stuff implemented that we're thinking of. And listen, he's, I'm not going to lie, he's seventh on the list right now and I'm calling on a weekly basis. Like, these people are going to want to put him in the fucking school because I'm just going to show up every day and be like, he needs to be here. Yeah. It's going to be fine. I'll be like, is that Jewish woman again? <laughs> She's going, going it's that, hey, I'm not Jewish. That's my father-in-law's side. My husband is not Jewish. I'm unfortunately Catholic. Born and raised, like baptized, Catholic school, church, communion, the weird stuff that you put in the mouth. That depends on who your priest is. And then I became old enough to go, no. Well, I'm not from England, so that's your fault. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's an international problem when it comes to priests. Right. I'm pretty sure it came over from you. <laughs> right. Okay. One, do not put me coming over in the same sentence as priests and kids. <laughs> right. Okay, I have I have something on on the on the religious thing I was just thinking about yesterday, which is kind of bonkers. Matt Hancock, who's like the uh, one of the, I would say architects of totalitarianism in the UK was talking about like compulsory vaccinations and stuff. And he's like, but obviously if someone wants to object on religious grounds, we'll make an exemption them. So I'm like, all right, so let me get this straight. If I read the book from 2000 years ago that I agree with, and I'm like, I want to live my life by this book. You're going to grant me an exemption on that. Mm -hmm. If I've read hundreds of other books and peer-reviewed papers and things about the vaccine and I make my decision that I don't want, that's not good enough. But if it's like, oh, Mohammed told me not to get one. Oh, well, no worries. You don't have to do it. I'm like, well, all these doctors told me not to get one and all this stuff in history says that I shouldn't agree with you. Well, no, sorry, mate. That doesn't cut it. Either believe in God or get your fucking vaccine. That's fucking mental. Where are we in this But bonk? Take over. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, my love. There are lots of things that we don't understand in society. And the number one thing that we don't understand is stupidity. And we don't understand it because we've been given thought. We have objective thoughts. We have perspective. We have things that have happened to us in our life where it makes us question certain realities. And I feel like people have been told that they can have whatever type of reality they want. And sure, that may be true. But from a medical standpoint, from a educational standpoint, if you just sit there and listen to everything that you were told and question absolutely nothing, then you deserve what's happening. I agree to you. with you 100%. Kelsey, right. We'll do another episode when the book comes out so you know it's in your best interest to get that out there so that you can come back and have another oh it trust me it's coming quick and it's going to be a lot more than just that to talk about i'm excited um so as soon as you want to come back on let me know and we'll figure it out thanks for jumping in today last minute and taking over from joseph stabbing uh joe you're sacked kelsey has the job now um mine you've given up your time and been very gracious with it and I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. What can they do to get you back? Should they be so inclined? Well, you know, for me personally, just I would like to see people go to Brass and Unity and support their fucking veterans and first responders. That's what we do. It's how I do it. Just just shoot us messages. Let us know if you actually 
care about me coming on this show or if it's just me in my mindset thinking that I'm super cool and you know the mullet enjoys having conversations with me. So I I'm I'm grateful to have gotten this opportunity to you know get in front of your listeners as the first Canadian. I feel super honored and I know it wasn't by choice, but I'm so stoked that it got to be me. Of course it's by choice. <laughs> of course it's by choice. It's a it's a it's an esteemed list of people get on here. And look people listening at the end of the day don't need your excuses about oh, i haven't got money to support brass and unity you can go over there like a post share a post that's it because the thing is right if everyone goes and shares posts all of a sudden you reach a very wide thing of people and it might be that you haven't gone you like you the listener can't get something which is fair enough but someone else might do it so just share it cost you nothing do it do all of it and then listen to my podcast yes listen to my podcast Jez was on it and he ranted what you just heard for three <laughs> hours my friends and cats we talked about fucking cats oh, yeah. and we cried so just go support share the stuff you don't need to do anything just share and also do yourself a fucking favor read something be kind to someone and just don't be a cunt and everyone will be fine agreed uh, you've had a lot of great guests on your podcast as well um, thanks man yeah and I've got to say that because they're friends of mine. I actually hate them on. No, you have had a lot of great guests on there. You and you do some really long interviews too, which I which I I enjoy. Um, I I would I actually the one on when it comes to like length of of podcast, interesting. Like you and me, you and me could talk all day. Um, but then like, mm-hmm. I, have you ever had it where you've had somebody on? And because I've had guests on before where I've booked in like an hour and a half, two hours, which is why I started doing shorter ones because I, I was like, you know, some of them were. Let's say a struggle to get to the hour <laughs> to get to the hour mark. Have you have you ever had that? I've had that uh, a couple times, but I you know what I find is uh if you just wear like super low cut tops in front of enough people, people just will just listen to you talk. So there it is. I saw your picture where you decided you were gonna save all your material for like another shirt. Oh my scoop. I used to, I used to wear I used to wear all ne- all Saint scoop necks all the time. That was the thing. And back in the day, I had a terrific chest split because I was um Super well, I used fit. to do a lot more running than I do now. <laughs> but like that was the thing. It was me, there was me and my mate and they they were all rugby lads and um there was not a chest hair in sight. <laughs> no. Just chest chest splits for days was what was going on back then. <laughs> But it's true. I think I think people, you know, listen, I think people try like a lot of people want to come on podcasts. They want to do things. But at the end of the day, uh, the podcasts that seem to be successful are the people who are, you know, a little more personal, have not only have stories to tell, because I think everybody has a story to tell. And I think most people's stories are prevalent and important and should be shared. But I think it also you have to be personable enough and you have to be able to just flow with things. And that's a struggle for some individuals. So it, it makes your job a little harder when you're when you're interviewing them. But I think if you just ramble enough, they'll just stay quiet. It's fine. It's fine. Well, I, I think you're like me with it. it with, we we want to get people. We don't want just people on the podcast that have done like we don't want people on a uh, you know, all right, they've got a million, you got to have a million followers to come on the podcast or anything like that. You know, want to have everyone on. But the problem is, is when they when someone hasn't been in the public eye or someone hasn't done other podcasts and someone's like, oh, I'd love to come on the podcast. You're like, well, I don't know if you'd be able to hold a, like a conversation long enough. Yeah. For, for like an hour and a half or, or, or two hours. And, it, and, it, and I'm kind of saying this now because I know people listening, I, you know, I do get messages from people want to come on. I'm like, and that's why I always say to people, start your own podcast. Because if you, you you have your own podcast, even if you just do a few episodes now and again, people will be able to go, all right, now 
right, well, I'll check out this, I can check this person out. And if you don't have social media, if you're social media, you've got a few diff- just a couple of posts on there. It's very hard for someone to be able to say, right, I'll take a chance on you because, you know, you have to book a studio and, uh, you know, have to put the time into it. You know, time is money and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it's it's just very, it's just, it's not that people don't want to take a punt, myself included. And, we, you know, I do try and get a mix, of, a mix of people on here with different social media followings and public uh, profiles and all that kind of stuff. I've got absolutely none. I'm a horrible individual. I just started that thing like last year, the social media, like Instagram. Yeah, yeah, but, you're, yeah, yeah but your podcast is your podcast is proof of concept. Yeah, fair enough. Know? I mean, fair enough. I appreciate that. But yeah, I try to, I think people get discouraged when they see numbers, right? I think the numbers can be discouraging at the beginning because they're like, well, no one's listening or no one's doing, you know, nobody knows me or I don't have a following or how do I go? Blah, blah, blah. And listen, I, at the end of the day, like you said, start your own podcast. All that you can do is reach out and ask. The only thing they can say is no, but they can also say yes. And so if you don't take the time to even just ask, you'll never know if you're able to do this. You have to, everybody has a podcast nowadays, but there's a difference between people who have podcasts with longevity and people who just try it and they're like, oh, this is not for me. Or they just don't have the chops to have a conversation long enough. I have been told since I've been four that I talk too much. I was fucking made for this, bro. I mean, I I I talk, I I talk too much, but there you go. That's how it is, right? Do you know what the average number of podcast episodes is for a new podcast before they quit? No, seven. No way, really? That's it? Yeah, yeah for real. I, I I heard it on the internet, so it's definitely true, bro. I did seven the first week I had my podcast. I like booked them. I wanted shit in the bank so hard. I did two a days for like a while, and like three hour two a days, and then I realized really quickly, I'm like. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to do a couple a week. <laughs> I'm going to do a couple a week because yeah. it's a lot harder than people realize. Well, yeah, and it's like especially when someone has book or something because it's essentially uh, and this is why and I'll I'll be honest with you listeners, sometimes I get fucking pissed off with you some of you lot cuz I ask you to share the shit and you fucking don't. Yeah. I spend a lot of fucking time doing this. And like it, it it can be disheartening. Like and I'll say this, I always say this that are a core group of people that share everything that leave reviews and I fucking really appreciate you guys and look at the end of the day some people are never going to do that and that's just the way it is but you know it can be quite disheartening when you've spent a day of your time reading book making notes making questions then you have the recording time then you have the editing time it's at least a day out of the year and I make a lot less money since I started doing the podcast because I do one book a less one, one book a less one book less a year now don't get me wrong I, there's a lot of there's a lot of perks from doing a podcast as well like I really enjoy doing it mm-hmm. um but it can be disheartening when you like you put the time in, you put like an, a day of your time in, and then you're like, "Can you share the podcast, please?" And you see that one percent of the people actually do it. It's kind of like, "Oh, right, well, fucking cheers." <laughs> you know? Well, I had a I had a really big guest on recently, and I was like, "I really hope he shares this fucking episode." I like he's got to share this episode because it's like the big, one of my biggest guests. And then I was like, "He's like, yeah, I'll share it," and he's like a stupid busy dude and he hasn't shared it yet and i was devastated for like a week i like checked i'm like share the fucking episode because it's like you know when you feel good after an episode and you you've put your heart into it and you really just made sure that you were dialed for it and then you're just like sasha come on like just come on give me something but i mean listen i feel like some people and maybe this is my opinion because it's me but and you could i think you would agree to this but i think some people listen to you and I closeted, like they're closeted brass and unity listeners or they're closeted listeners of yours. Like, because we, we are a little more vocal about not only our feelings, but 
not just feelings, scientific research and the way that we live our lives and our perceptions and how we talk about things and how much I curse. And so there's a, there's a, there's a, you get the subset of people who are like, I really like that. And I'm cool for standing for that. So I'll share it publicly. So, you know, cause if somebody else listens to that episode and they saw that I shared it, like you want them to want to share your stuff. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be that subset of, of individuals who are too afraid to share your stuff because it could be too far past what they're normally used to publicly talking about and it could put them in those positions. And so I get that too. And so if you're one of Jez and mine closeted listeners, that's cool. But do yourself a favor and at least leave a rating because then we don't know it's you. I mean, then you're not like sharing it to your public page. Like you can share it quietly or you can rate it quietly and no one's going to kill you for it. Well said, mate. Kels, thanks for your time today. Enjoy the rest of your morning. I'll catch you soon. No worries, love. Cheers, mate. Guys, thanks for listening today. Kelsey, thanks for coming on, mate. Enjoyed that. Thanks for coming on last minute as well. Enjoyed that very much. Um, Guys, you know the score. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with a mate. Please share it on social media. Well, we don't run ads. We need your help to reach other veterans. That's the bottom line. Thank you, Combat Fuel. Thank you, Zulu Alpha Straps. Thank you, the Royal British Legion. Would not be able to do any of this without you guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, and as I've said, guys, if if you can't afford to support these companies, obviously totally understandable. Um, but please just share their posts. Please just get behind them in, in ways that cost no money. Um, and also, guys, if you do enjoy the podcast, please, and you listen uh, on, on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It takes a couple of minutes, tops, and uh, it helps us to uh, keep the podcast growing and keep bringing you the greatest of guests. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time, and I love you. Bye. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry, and yeah, my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt, now I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've got to let you go, now live your life and spread your wings, and yeah, you put on quite a show, and pulled the puppet strings and are you sure that you don't want me remember all the pain or maybe you should thank me it's your loss and my gain i'm leaving now forever i won't hang my head in shame but yeah you've taken me for granted and you should feel ashamed you sold a dream to all of us a dream that we'd all die for a reason for us all to live and something we could fight for i might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn but no matter what i do my hands remembering my rifle yeah life's hard i know that still wouldn't change shit i wouldn't go back yeah i wouldn't go back feelings i hold back memories fade yeah they go fast yeah they go fast good times to come and go survive the highs and lows just take step by step i guess yeah i suppose good times to come and go survive the highs and lows just take step by step i guess yeah I